This is episode 635 with football coach Tom Mura. Mm. So what is it that you need to work on? And it's so specific from one player to the next, isn't it? Because some players are very athletic. Yeah. So they need to be more technical. They need to really focus on technique. Mm. For me, as a coach, I look at what a player can influence. A player what cannot player influence can how influence. fast they are. They cannot influence how big and strong they are. Mm. Strong may be okay. You could say you can get stronger. Sure, to a, to a degree. But when players are not fast enough. I say, look, this is not up to you. This was your parents. Mm. <laughs> you're as fast as you're going to be from your yeah. genetic. Yeah. But you can take control of your ability to control a ball. So you can work on your technique. Mm. You can spend time working on that individual skill. And, and to me, that's the, you know, that's the decider for players. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. Now, if at any point in time in your journey in sports, whether as an athlete, as a coach, as a fan, whichever one it is, if you ever find an individual who can explain sports, so the theory part of sports, where it's more or less like you can see and you can understand the game in such detail, then look, you need to grab those people by the hand and you need to hold them tight. And of course, one of those people is my guest on the podcast today, Tom Mura. And trust me, man, I am grabbing him so tightly because Tom is one of those people who, when you hear him explain football, so that's soccer for those of you in the U.S., you would think that you are actually physically playing the game. He is so good at painting a picture, going into detail. So, of course, naturally, I wanted to bring him on the podcast so that he could explain and we could talk about the game in detail. And guess what? We did that and more. But first, I have to apologize, you know, for my voice on this podcast. I was a little bit under the weather, you know, so the thing was strained. It wasn't my usual voice. Ah, but trust me, that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the content and the nugget that Tom shares. Tom has been a coach, a football coach for over 25 years. He's a publisher and editor at World Class Coaching and is also the host of the podcast called Coaching Soccer Weekly. So that's a podcast that looks into the game of football, in-depth analysis of strategies, tactics, and all of those things. Trust me, man, this is one episode where if you were ever going to say, oh, 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 this person knows his stuff, trust me, this is that episode. We went to town and more on the subject that is football. Like, literally, there was nothing within cover. We talked about the parental aspects of the game. So how parents can help their children nurture their talents. And of course, I have a program on this area that is coming up. So you might want to look out for that. If you're a parent that is listening, we talk about for children, finding the balance between fun and development. We talked about what Tom would look for in players. So the kind of skills that players need to have. We talk about the difference between skill and technique, how to improve your sports IQ. We talk about the importance of the tactical side of the game, then the mental side of the game. Then of course, how you can reprogram your mind as an athlete like do i need to continue on this list of all the things that tom and i talked about and trust me this is one episode that even i myself i went away and i said wow like that was a really solid one and guess what because we did this on video you need to see how calm 
Tom was. You know, so it's like those things were just flying out. Those things were just flying out. And I was like, how can you be so calm? And how can you be delivering all the nuggets that you are? If you are a young athlete, particularly the footballers, trust me, this is an episode that you would not regret listening. It would literally, literally blow your mind. And that's exactly what you want to do. This episode, guys, is brought to you by my program, Football Mastery. So you see, a lot of the things that we talk about here with Tom, you see, all of those things and more are things that you would learn in my program called football mastery so where you learn the physical the mental and the business strategies you need in sport to become an elite footballer so if you find value in this episode with tom then definitely you need football mastery athletemaestro.com forward slash football mastery athletemaestro.com forward slash football mastery well of course like i said you'll learn the physical the mental and the business strategies you need to become an elite footballer when you've checked out the program when you've more or less saved it or bookmarked it come back to this episode my mentor tom mura and i can say that for him now after having over 25 years of coaching experience come back to this episode where your mind is going to be blown away it's something that i enjoy talking about so much that and I enjoy doing so much coaching mm. soccer and working with kids that I just try to relay my passion for the sport through what I talk to the listeners about every day. Mm. And really all I talk about on the show, I mean, it's, it's exactly what the title says. It's just mm. a coach coaching soccer every week, with <laughs> teams with many teams. I coach four teams. Mm. So I'm on the, the training field every day for three hours to four and a half wow. hours every day. And so I'm just going through what I'm doing with my own teams. Oftentimes, sometimes I talk about what other people are doing with their teams and, mm-hmm. and talk with other coaches, but really it's just me talking about what I'm doing with my teams and trying to explain it. And, and like you say, sometimes it's hard to get across, mm. um, but I try to give as many descriptive uh, words as I can and, and really try to paint a picture mm. of what the session looks like. Uh, and trust me, you do that. You do that extremely well because I know, I know people are, are different types of learners. You know, so you have the guys who, you know, learn via audio, the guys who learn via video. Then you have people who, you know, they want to see the thing drawn out on a paper. So I'm forgetting the name that they call them. But the, the way that you teach it, it's almost as though you have a combination of all of those things because they are listening to you and then they can picture how and what you're saying. Like, it, it's, it's just remarkable. That's why I was like, look, we have to do this. I have to get you on so that at least... The, the, the footballers can, can learn from your wealth of knowledge as they continue to up their game, improve how, how they play the game. Now, obviously, like I said, you've been doing this for years, for such a long time. In the length of time you have been doing this, Tom, what is one of the biggest struggles you have seen young footballers face? So whether that's from the mental angle, the physical angle, whichever angle it is, for the length of time that you've been doing this, what's one thing that you say, ah, this stands out as one of the struggles that I've seen reoccurrently over time that these footballers are struggling with. Yeah, there's, there's so many things. I focus my, a lot of my work with the very youngest. Mm. So U8s through U12s. Although I've been doing it a long time, I've really focused in kind of my specialty mm. is with those younger players. So when I look at those younger players, I'm always trying to give them what they need. So mm. what do young players need the most? My job is to give that to them however I can. And Mm. over time in the coaching education that I've done, I've come to understand that 
really fun and development are the things that these kids need. Mm. It needs to be fun. I would argue it needs to be fun even for you and me to play the game. <laughs> Otherwise, why would we do it? Yeah. You know, why would professional soccer players continue to play the game if they still didn't enjoy it? Mm. So for me, providing an environment that's fun and developmental for the kids at the same time, that's the thing that they need the most. And we can talk about you know, whether it's 1v1 skills mm. or whether it's uh, you know, technical training or whether it's you know, functional understanding of the game. Uh, but for me, if we can provide them a fun developmental environment, then as a, a coach of the youngest, we call them zone one players here. <laughs> zone mm -hmm. one is U8 through U12. Mm -hmm. And then zone two goes beyond that. And then you go into the professional pathway. You know, but for the youngest ones, mm. make it fun. Make it developmental. My job, if I've done my job, they continue to play. Mm -hmm. If I've done my job, then I can pass them on at U13 to someone that can then take them to the next level mm -hmm. and teach them the tactics involved in the game. Mm -hmm. But my job is to provide the passion. My job is to provide the experiences and the fun. So for me, that's what it's about. You're probably looking for a technical answer there, but for me, that's the answer for mm -hmm. the youngest players. No, and, and it's amazing you mentioned that because I was going to I was going to take you up on that, you know, maybe towards the end where we, we, we talk about that parental angle, you know, and, and working with this with these youngsters. But it's, it's, it's nice that you mentioned it. You know, so we, we, we can start with that and then, you know, see yeah. how see how the conversation takes us. I hear you talk about this passion angle, you know, mixed with development. How do you find that balance? Because we 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 can't deny how competitive, you know, football is now. We call it football, you guys call it soccer. We can't deny how competitive it is. And how, as a, well, either as a parent or as a guardian or whichever one it is, you want to be sure that the time that you are investing, you know, into either your child playing the sport and things like that, they kind of like is a picture where the thing is going. If I'm going to spend this much money, take it to training, get this coach, do this. I want to be sure that, yeah, how do you find that balance between, Yes, we want them to have fun, but we also want them to develop at the same time. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Mm. I don't think that there are two separate things. I think that sometimes people misunderstand fun mm. as uh, silliness or mm. as frivolity or as something that uh, is not serious, quote unquote. Yeah. But I, I think fun is uh, for players, for young players. And, and there was a study done by Amanda Visick. And she looked at fun integration theory and she took 187, I think it was mm. soccer players in Washington, DC area. And she asked them, what's one thing that makes playing sports fun. Mm. And they came up with 87 different things that made playing wow. sports. Fun. They put those in 11 fun categories or fun factors. And the, the top things that made soccer fun were, uh, were positive coaching, mm -hmm. supportive team environments, Right? Those are the, the most important things to them and having fun. Mm. So if we're looking at what's going to develop a player, then it's really the same thing as what's going to make a, uh, playing soccer fun. So what do I think makes, how do you strike that balance? I think you do it through game-like environments. Mm. I think in training, the more that your environment of training looks like the game, feels like the game for the players, yeah. then not only is that fun because What's the first question a kid asks when they come to practice? <laughs> What's the first question? Come on. First yeah, question. Yeah, no. When, when can we, are we play? Gonna, are we going to scrimmage? Yeah, yeah when, are we, when, we, when can we play? Here they call it scrimmage. When are we going to play? 
they don't want to stand in lines. They don't want to dribble through cones. <laughs> they, they, want to, they want to play the game. And so if we put them in game-like environments that look and feel like the game, then they're playing the game, then that's what's going to teach them. That's what's fun for them. And when you think about it, one of the, the issues for coaches is how do I get this to transfer from practice mm. into games? Mm. Talk about transfer of training. Well, if your, game, if your practice already looks like the game, then it transfers very easily mm. because it looks like the game. So for me, you can make it fun. You can make it developmental if you make it game-like. Mm. That's, the, that, that, that's the difference. And that's, that's fascinating. And that's nice, you know, from a coaching perspective, you know, so that they also get what they need to do to help these kids. But if we're looking at it from the parents' perspective, you know, one of the things that I like to say, when, when, when I started doing this, now the reason I, I, we mentioned this a little bit, you know, uh, before we started, you know, how, yes, I also wanted to play professional sports. I couldn't get to do that because I got injured. But what I then found was that there was lack of education for the younger athletes. You know, so you find athletes who don't know what they're going up against. You know, so everyone just says, I want to be a professional athlete. And you, you say that from the fun perspective because they have been playing your sport since you were five years old. But by the time you get into it, you now realize that, oh, wow, I never knew that you know, this is what it entailed. This is what I needed to do. This is what I, so that's part of the reason why I started this. Now, what I see and what I've seen from the athletes that I've worked with and the ones that I do work with is that a lot of damage, quote and unquote, has been done by the parents. That's whether due to their fault or not due to their fault. I mean, you can't act on what you don't know. If we're looking at it from a parent's perspective, what would your advice be to them in terms of helping their children nurture the talent that they have for sports? And I think it starts with coaches educating parents. I mean, you mm. have to inform the, the parents about, okay, and this is something that is challenging mm. with the, the kind of methodology that I'm talking about, where it looks like you're just scrimmaging when you're practicing. Mm. That's sometimes hard for people that grew up with looking at a practice looking like lines and cones. <laughs> it looked very coach centered. The coach is running it. Um, so you have to educate them. You have to, first you have to inform them about mm. here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm doing it. And if you show them the studies on fun integration theory, if you show them the development of players through playing the game uh, and, and what they learn by playing the game, and then you inspire them because, Hey, this is what's going to be best for your kids. Your kids are going to love coming to practice. They're not only going to enjoy it, but they're mm. going to get better. So give me a chance, give this method a chance and watch your kids develop. Mm. And you're right that definitely parents can get in the way of a player's development, but the parents are part of the team, the coach, mm -hmm. the players and the parents, you have to have all of them. And a lot of time coaches look at parents of, oh, just be quiet. Just bring them to the game <laughs> and, write, and write a check and pay for the fees and leave us alone. But mm. really, the kids are going to listen to their parents. The kids are going to be with their parents most of the time. Yeah. So you need to have the parents on your side. And the only way to do that is to educate, inform them, inspire them, and then have them understand what you're trying to do and then let you do it. Mm. We talk about in our parent meetings, we talk uh, at the beginning of the year, we talk about everybody has their lane. Yeah. My lane as the coach is to educate the players. Yeah. The player's job is to work hard, to, to listen, mm. to learn, to do their very best. Yeah. The parent's job is to support 
all of that. Mm. Not to instruct that. It's not to guide that. It's not to try to manipulate that. It's to just support it. So when parents are at games, for example, I ask them, cheer for things that already happened. Mm. Don't try to dictate what's going to happen. Don't tell little Johnny to pass it down the line <laughs> because maybe that's the right decision. But little Johnny doesn't know why. He just did what everybody told him. Mm. So the next time Johnny gets the ball, what's he going to do? He's going to listen for the parents. Yeah. He's not going to read yes. the game and understand the game. So let the players make decisions. When they make a decision, hey, great pass, Johnny. Mm. Fantastic. You just reinforced that behavior. The kid knows what they did. They know why they did it. They got praise for it. You're going to do that again. So for me, the parents are really important, but they have to know their role and they have to stay in their lane. Mm. I, I, I hear what you say and I, and, I, and I completely agree, you know, in terms of the coach has his role, the player has their own role, the parent also has their role, which is to now support the things that are going on. But what I have seen and which I also want you to comment on is that you're going to see the parents who they want to pass the entire burden onto the coaches. You know, so I want my child to play football. I want my child to play soccer. I'm going to look for a coach. I'm going to look for an academy. And then it's more or less like I just hand them off mm. to the academy or the coach and I say, take charge. And I don't want to do any, yes, I'll buy the boots, I'll buy the jerseys, I'll buy whatever needs to be bought. But literally, I leave everything in the hands of the coach. And one of the things that I always say, Tom, is that whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter whether you're taking them to a coach or you're taking them to an academy. Your child will always spend more time with you than they will spend with that coach or that academy. So the work that you do as a parent is also critical if we only look at it from the hours perspective. So them spending more time with you and less time with the coaches or with the academy. What's your thought on parents who just hand over to the coaches completely and say, hey, take charge? I can see that. I mean, because that's giving the player responsibility for their own development as well. Mm. So I guess the opposite of that would be a parent that's so involved that every time their kid gets home from practice, mm -hmm. they say, let's go out in the backyard and let's work on this. And uh, sometimes in support of what the coach is doing, mm -hmm. sometimes in opposition to what the coach is doing. <laughs> because we've seen that, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, a, a parent that says, your coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. That's the most destructive to a player because mm. then what's the player supposed to do? Here's somebody who loves me, who supports me, who feeds me, who clothes me. Mm. I live with, am I going to listen to them or am I going to listen to the soccer coach? Yeah. Your coach is going to lose every time. So, or, or at the very least, the player is going to be conflicted. They, they, they're looking at the parent side of the field. They're looking at the coach side of the field. Who do I listen to? Mm. So for me, the most uh, disruptive parent is the one that is counter, uh, counter contradicting what yeah. the coach says. Yeah. If they're supporting what the coach says and working with the player at home and trying to maybe help them on their individual skills, fantastic. No problem. If they're leaving them alone and having the player take responsibility for that for themselves, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Mm. Maybe a player that says, hey, if, you, if I want to get better, I need to work on my own. Yeah. And a good coach will encourage the players to work on their own at home try to inspire them to work on their own, to mm. give them motivation to work on their own. Mm. But then it's up to the player. If the player doesn't want to do it, 
then that's really the player not taking responsibility mm. for their own development. Mm. But then the player's kind of setting their ceiling, aren't they? Yeah. They're saying, this is as high as I want to go. Yeah. Because to go higher, I would need to invest more. Mm. And I really don't want to invest more. So <laughs> in, is that okay? Maybe. Maybe because maybe that's all that player wants. Because mm. different players have different desires. Yeah. Players that say, I want to reach the highest level I can play. I want to, I want to you know, be selected for the academy team. I want, to, I want to go on trial with a professional club. Mm. You better be putting the hours in. You better be putting the time in. Yeah. If someone says, I just want to play with my friends, mm-hmm. then play with your friends. <laughs> so it, it's about what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and then define what you want, but then be willing to do what it takes to get there. Mm. Fantastic. I, I, I love that we're able to we're able to discuss that parental aspect, you know, and then lead it into the athletes themselves. So I, I know you work mostly with, with youth soccer players, you know, but obviously, you know, you're a soccer coach, you know, so you coach the game and yep. all its facets. When you are looking at players, you know, so let's assume that there's 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 a footballer who is listening to us now and he's trying, you know, working his way up. You know, the goal is to be a professional let's say maybe they're a teenager and things like that as a coach what are some of the things you are looking out for in that player to say maybe okay you're on the right path or i think you still need to work on a couple of things so when we were talking before the show we were talking um about you know coaching and everything and and i do coach the youngest age groups Mm -hmm. but i also i was telling you i was having parent meetings and and player meetings this week evaluations and that's for my team that's a u16 girls team i have one team that's older and i like having one team that's older Mm. because it gives me that chance to coach the 11 v 11 game Mm. it gives me that chance to work with older soccer players so the meetings that I'm having right now are kind of revolving around what you're saying. Mm. So what is it that you need to work on? And it's so specific from one player to the next, isn't it? Because some players are very athletic. Yeah. So they need to be more technical. They need to really focus on technique. Mm. For me, as a coach, I look at what a player can influence. A player what cannot influence can how influence. fast they are. They cannot influence how big and strong they are. Mm. Strong, maybe, okay, you could say you can get stronger. Sure. To a, to a degree. But when players are not fast enough, I say, look, this is not up to you. This was your parents. Mm. <laughs> you're as fast as you're going to be from your yeah. genetic. Yeah. But you can take control of your ability to control a ball. So you can work on your technique. Mm. You can spend time working on that individual skill. And, and to me, that's the, dis, you know, that's the decider for players. Yes, being able to read and understand the game, being able to you know, take initiative in moments and, mm-hmm. and be confident within the game, definitely. But you can only do tactically what you're able to do technically. Mm. So, you know, I, can, I could see things at the highest level. <laughs> I could see that, that pattern. But if I can't perform it technically, mm. then I'm, I'm always going to come short. So for a player individually looking mm. at their own development, getting out and working with the ball on their own, taking responsibility to work on their dribbling, work on Mm. their shooting, work on their passing, and do whatever it takes to improve those things, whether it be working with someone else Mm -hmm. or one of the greatest training partners in the world is a wall. Mm -hmm. Just finding a wall that you can use to to control the ball against, to, to, to shoot against, to pass against, to receive the ball out of the air against, just finding that as a way to work on your individual skills, 
that's the, something that every player has to do. So when mm. we're talking about that player that wants to go to the next level, if they're not spending time working on their own with the ball, then they're not really serious about going to the next level. Oh, nice. Now, you, you, you mentioned three things that, that come out of that, and I don't want to forget, which is why I want to mention it now, because I want okay. to take you through those three things. So you talked about the technical side of the game, mm -hmm. which I'm going to come to. Now, you've also talked about um, um, personal training time. So in terms of that athlete working on their own in, and, and, and giving it a good go. And then now you've talked about the, the things that they can influence in terms of where they're working. Let's start with that personal training time. Why do you think that more athletes don't embrace this? Because more footballers, it is as easy as saying, look, take a football, look for a wall, work with different, you know, different angles. You play it high, you try to control, you play, you know, on the ground, you try to control different. Why is it that more of these footballers are not doing this? I think here, and I can only speak from my own experience, yeah. but in the United States, we have so many different things that kids can be doing. Mm. Not only different sports, but so many different activities that, you know, they can hold in their hand and they can play, <laughs> right? I mean, television, computers, there's so many different uh, things that are fighting for their attention mm -hmm. that where do you see the greatest amount of time spent with a ball mm. on their own? Well, you, when you think about, you know, areas in the world, you think about Brazil, yep. think about England many years ago, street football. Yeah. Yeah. Think about, you know, places where the options were very limited. Mm. So after school, they go out the door, they play with their friends because there wasn't an option of turning on a computer and getting on the internet. Yeah. There wasn't an option of sitting down in front of a television because their mom would kick them out, mm. kick them out and go, go play. And I saw a graphic uh, recently that uh, showed a mom dragging a kid back in that had a basketball in his hand, dragging him back in the house. And it said 1970. Wow. And then a kid with a, a cell phone in his hand and his mom pushing him out the door. And it said 2020. And yeah. so the difference between those times, I think, is in large part the difference. So, you know, trying to create a street soccer mentality mm. is just not going to happen in the United States. Mm. We just have to encourage them as best we can to get out and spend time with the ball and be technical on their own because it's going to have a benefit for them. Yeah. But we're fighting a lot of different uh, draws to their yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. And, you know, and that's one of the things that I also tell the parents as well. You know, so I will see parents who will come to me, you know, and they will say things like, I've, I've tried everything to get my son to start playing sports. I've tried everything to get my daughter to start playing sports. And it just seems like nothing is working. And the first thing that I always ask them, I'm like, how many options do they have? How many toys do they have? You know, and by the time they start talking about that and listing one, after the other one after that, i'm like there's your answer they have so much that they're doing why would they want to go outside to get dirty you know and, and play sports and, and all of that so i completely agree you know with that angle now you mentioned the technical aspect of the game yeah this is a key part of, of football you know and i was listening to one of your one of your episodes on your podcast where you defined or you tried to differentiate between technique and skill mm. because one of the things that i've seen where where i am is a lot of emphasis being placed by the young footballers on skill. I can do 52 stepovers. You know, I can do around the world. 
I can do, you know, all of those fancy, fancy stuff. And the first thing I'm thinking in my mind is, first, you have to be sure that you're going to get an opportunity to do it in a game for it to be really important to be bragging about it. Can you talk to me about that difference between technique, skill, and the application of boots in a proper game? So when, when I talk about technique, mm. I talk about an action with the ball. So when you talk about juggling, that's a technique. Mm. When I talk about shooting, that's a technique. technique. When I talk about dribbling, that's a technique. Dribbling mm. with the ball, running with the ball, 1v1 moves with the ball. That's a very popular thing. I, I, I'm uh, interested to hear that it's also popular there yeah. for coaches to just teach moves, teach 27 moves to, mm. to kids. And to me, that's technique. That's not skill. Mm -hmm. Skill is technique applied in action in a game. It has a skill has to have a context. So the context for a skill is opponents, teammate, space, goal. Mm. You have to have all those things to have context. If you just have opponent and space, well, there's no context. I can do a move and dribble any direction I want to. Yeah. That's fine, but that's not the game. The <laughs> game is directional. Yeah. So I have to have I have to have an opponent, I have to have space, I have to have goal that I'm going to, I have to have somewhere that I'm trying to get to in a direction. Mm. And if you have that, then the player can take the technique and apply it in that environment. Mm. That's skill. So the, the proper, I think it's more important that our players acquire skill mm. than that they imply, uh, acquire technique. So when mm. we talk about technical training, that's mm. fine. It's very important to do at home yeah. in your own time. But can you acquire skill on your own would be a question I would have. Because without the context to put the technique into a defender, space, goal, teammates, mm -hmm. because that it happens or it doesn't just happen here, right? Yeah. It's not just happening with me. It's happening with my team. So for me, that's the difference between technique and skill. Technique is done something, an action in isolation. Skill mm. is applied to the context of the game. Oh, nice definition. But what I hear you say as it relates to skill is more or less like sports IQ. You know, so if I have the technique, you know, so I have the technique to do all of these things, when do I apply that technique? And can I apply it effectively when it matters the most? So you would see, everyone talks about how, how basic, let me, which, which player can I use as an example? Um, Sergio Busquets. Let's use Sergio Busquets at Barcelona as an example. You know, and I've seen people talk about how he doesn't really do anything in the game. You know, because most of the things that he does are not things that you would, except you're a student of the game. You really wouldn't see those things that he does. And what I always try to say is that, look, is application of the things that you think are so basic, that is what helps the team do what they're able to do. How is it that, first and foremost, am I right in terms of that sports IQ, which is applying that technique when it needs to be applied? And how can young footballers improve their sports IQ. And what I hear you saying when you're talking about that is, is that ability to read the game, mm. to read the game and then know in the moment what skill, sorry, what technique to needs to be applied yeah. into that moment in a skillful way, mm. let's say it that way. So for me, the player's ability to read the game only comes from one thing. Mm. It only comes from playing the game, watching the game, uh, you know, living the game. Mm. Otherwise, you can't apply. You can't acquire that from a book. 
<laughs> you can't acquire that from somebody telling you how to do it. Mm. I mean, trying to explain, uh, trying to explain the timing of a through ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a, to a player, I mean, somebody that can do it at a very high level. That's very difficult to explain mm -hmm. without showing them, and without having that, and more than showing them, having them experience. There's got to be that experiential component to learning that you, you get there in the game, you see the moment, you try it, it either works, mm. and then you realize, hey, that was it, that was it, I did it. Or it doesn't work and you have to figure out why. So I hit the ball too hard mm. on the through ball, so it went out of bounds. So what did I do wrong? How can I fix it next time? So that's why I think game environment is so, or practice environment is so important, mm. and creating game-like environments is so important because that's the only way to take the technique to put it in the context of a game-like environment so the players can develop that ability. They develop that uh, ability to read the game and understand what's happening mm. and see that moment and then take advantage of it. So, I mean, th that's what I, I think is best for the players and that's mm. the best way I think they, they can learn it. Frankly, I think that's the only way they can learn it. Mm. And I completely agree. You know, there, there, there are things that you can, you can postulate for however long it is you want to postulate. If you don't carry it out physically, you're never going to know how that is. But you see, what I agree with that, you know, 1,000%. But one of the things that I feel, I'm putting myself in the position of a young footballer who is listening to us now, is that element of making mistakes. So mm. you're telling me, Tom, that I need to get into game situations. I need to learn on the job. You know, so there are certain things that, I won't be able to learn except in gameplay. But when I tried it the first time, I made a mistake. When I tried it the second time, I made another mistake. How confident can I be to continue to try it? So I try it the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, before I lose all sense of confidence. How can young footballers, in trying to get more in-game experience, to build their knowledge of the game, how do they combine, how do they balance both? And that's where the coach comes in. The mm. coach creates the environment for a player to learn these things. Mm. They don't really teach them these things. So for example, it, we'll, we'll stay with the, the idea of trying to create goal scoring opportunities with through balls. Mm. So if I wanna teach that to my players, I have to put them in the environment to do it. Mm. But the important thing is I need to make sure, number one, they're getting enough repetitions to try it over and over again. Yeah. And they need to have the right balance of success and failure. Because mm -hmm. you're right. If I put them in an environment that's four versus six, now create through ball opportunities and goal scoring chances. If you're the four, mm. no chance, right? Yeah. You're not going to be able to do it successfully mm. because the challenge level is too high. So I need to maybe flip that. Mm. I need to do it six against four. So now, yeah, it's unbalanced. The attacking yeah. team has the advantage, but now the players can start to see, oh, look, the space between the players, look at my teammate running. I can play the ball in and they find that success. Then if that becomes easy, like, okay, we can do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Now we need to make it six versus five. Then we need to make it six versus six. And then we expand it. And then maybe we go nine versus eight. So more complexity, more players, right? So we try to get closer and closer to the game. So when it comes to the game, they see the moment. Oh, I've seen this a hundred times in practice. Mm. And I was successful in practice because my coach, helped me stair step my way from yeah. easier to more challenging, to more challenging, to actual game. So there, I don't think it's, 
the player can do it themselves necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They need to have the right environment in order and have that environment created for them in order to do it. Yes, and it makes it makes a lot of sense in terms of in terms of supporting the player. And what what you just said, I remember I was years ago, I was at a meeting where I think it was the League Managers Association meeting in England, where Harry Redknapp, so that's the former former Tottenham coach, you know, he was he was he was talking about when any of his players has a crisis of confidence. What they do is that when they get to training. They're going to pit that player against the worst player that can defend him. So if, for example, he plays as an outside left or a number 11, they're going to look for a right back or the worst, the worst right back at the club. And then they're going to pit him against him. So they're going to do different drills. Now, obviously, he's going to skin that defender nine times out of ten. And, of course, that way he's going to build his confidence. So it kind of like ties into exactly exactly what you've said and, and and it makes a lot of sense now that's that's as it relates to the technical and the skill aspect now let's go to the tactical aspect now i can say and i'm sure you would agree with me that this is something that is not taught enough to the younger athletes in the sense that you need to understand the tactics of the game because when you're going for a trial when you're going to attempt to sign your first professional contract or whichever one it is these are the things that the coaches are looking out for do you understand positional play if we say we are playing a 442 formation do you understand what that means do you understand or do we have to pull you aside and begin to explain to you from head to toe what it is you should do in this place in this place in this place miss talk to me about that tactical side of the game and how important it is for the young footballers it's definitely important and it's, it's so challenging to learn that mm. and that's where young footballers now mm -hmm. have the advantage because it used to be the only time we could see professional soccer played on television mm. was if in the united states frankly yeah. if i watched the spanish channel i could turn <laughs> the spanish channel on i could turn the sound down and that's how i watched uh, the world cup <laughs> one year and that was the only way for me to watch it mm. and so but now you can turn on, I could turn on the television right now and find four games. Yep. And so watching the game being played at the highest level by the players at the highest level, then that's a great way for players to learn the tactics. But then it all comes back to experiential too. They have to then take that and mm -hmm. they have to go out and try, you know, what they're seeing their heroes do on the field. Hmm. You mentioned Tottenham and I'm a Tottenham supporter. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, I see uh, the background. <laughs> you see my old, you, you knew that was Tottenham. You yeah. Knew that was old, white, old white heart. Lane. Yeah. Why not lean? <laughs> well done. Um, so, you know, if they want to be like Gary Lineker, hmm. if they want to be like Paul Gascoigne, if they want to, you know, Harry Kane to use a, a recent one, yeah. then they need to go out and emulate the runs Harry Kane makes and they see hmm. what he does in the game. And then they go try to emulate that on the field players have to do that in order to learn the tactics. Now, mm. can they learn it from coaches? Yeah. Coaches that set up environments that teach the players. So, you know, going back to our six, six versus four game, mm. when you're playing that six versus four, you're playing positionally. So if I'm a coach of a team that plays a four, three, three, then we're going to set up the six attacking players in those six attacking roles. Mm. We're going to play with a six, eight, and 10 in the midfield. We're going to play with a nine up top and a seven and 11 on the right and left. And we're going to go against 
the other team's back four. Mm. And so now they're starting to learn the positional responsibilities for those players. Mm. And you do that with every uh, phase of the game, whether it's building from the back mm. or building up in the opponent's half or creating goal scoring chances. It's all about positional play and learning that mm. at every level. But I don't, I, I don't think you can substitute watching the game at the highest level. If you can do it in person, that's so much better than television, mm. isn't it? Because then you can look where you want to look. Yes. You can watch. You're a number six. So you can mm. just watch the number six all day. Mm. And that's a fantastic opportunity that you don't have on TV. But if you can only watch it on television, then that's a good way to at least get some exposure to the highest level tactics. Mm. Mm, great, great answer. And you see, what, what, what comes to mind? You know, that's why, that's why I wanted to bring you on. And that's why you, you're, you're so good at what you're doing. Because even from just explaining it, you, you kind of like get the picture of what's, what, what it what should entail, what the, best, what the athlete or what the footballer themselves should actually be doing. But I'm also thinking about, for example, from, from watching that tactical side of the game. Obviously, I mean, I know the simple answer to this would be to play more. So I'm thinking about how you adapt to different phases of play and different things that happen while you play. What would your advice be to athletes and young footballers in terms of that adapting mentality? You know, so I can watch Hurricane, for example, all day. But the truth is that Harry Kane is adapting to situations that are happening in that game. You know, so they might have come out with a, with a particular way they wanted to play. But depending on how the defenders shape up, depending on how the defensive midfielder shapes up, he thinks, okay, no, I need to adapt. I need to do this. How can young footballers start having that kind of mindset? How can, that stay, how can they start thinking in that way? Yeah, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's not going to come through study. <laughs> it's not gonna, I mean, if you think about the different ways mm. that people learn, yeah, we were talking about that earlier, weren't we? You know, some people learn by reading instructions, mm. you know, some people uh, learn by, by watching it, some people learn really well by having it described to them, and then they can go and do it. Mm. Um, you know, some people actually have to do it in order to learn it. Mm. I think that experiential learning is the deepest form of learning. Because I get a chance to do what you said before, which is make mistakes, to mess it up, and then learn, okay, that defender was taking away that pass, and I tried to force that pass. Yeah. That pass wasn't on. I should have dribbled. And that reflecting on what they did and saying, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> it's that trial and error. Hmm. I don't know a better way to, than to get out there and try it over and over. And soccer is a game of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it – Games are one zero zero zero, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many mistakes were made in the game? Yeah, so many because every time you lose the ball, that was a mistake that was made. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to learn. Obviously, they're trying to do the right things. Yeah, but there's times where you're just going to make the mistake, and and so trying to learn what to do in a mm. particular situation, uh, I don't think you can do that without experiencing it. I don't mm -hmm. think you can do that. And it's very important to reflect on what you do because you can also keep making the same mistake yeah. over and over. Yeah. Because if we keep doing what we do all the time, then we keep getting what we get for <laughs> that, right? I mean, just if you don't change something. So as yeah. a player, hopefully you recognize, hey, I've gone to my right four times on this guy. I can't go to my right anymore. Mm. He's too good when I go to my right. Got to go to my left or whatever the decision might be. 
You know, that scissors isn't working against it. Mm. I have to do a Matthews. I have to do something different. So, you know, making those decisions and the trial and error of it, I just don't know that there's a substitute for that. Mm. And I completely agree. And of course, there are two things that come from, from what you just said. You know, now you mentioned that mistake element, that mistake element, and that's going to lead us to the mental side of the game. You know, but before that, you, 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 you gave some analogies and you gave some examples as it relates to particular moves that players make. You know, so, you know, I've, I've gone to the left four times. I've gone to the... One of the things that I say to, to young athletes generally in various sports is that they, they have to beware of the autopilot modes of their minds. You know, so what, what, what their mind would naturally return to when things appear to be tight, you know, so that player that goes four times to his left, probably that's how his mind has been conditioned to dribble, you know, so always take them to the left, always take them to the left. How is it that young footballers can begin to reprogram their minds even while they play to the point that this isn't working, I need to find a way to change it? Yeah, it's that reflection. And when I talk about reflection with players, I'm talking about, think about what you did and why you did it mm. and did it work? So what did I do? Why did I do it? And if it was successful, if it was successful, still understanding what I did and why I did it is important mm. because now I know what led to that success. Sometimes players will do something and they're like, I don't even know what I did just there. <laughs> well, then you can't repeat that. Yeah. And I think as a player, you can probably appreciate that. There's times that you got out of a situation like, I have no idea how I just got out of that. Um, but so now you can't repeat it. But making sure you understand what and why, then you can reflect on that. And that's, you know, that's what changes the player that's gone to their left over and over again mm. and not been successful. If that player doesn't reflect on that and think about, okay, that hasn't worked, then they're just going to keep trying it. Because like you said, that's what they do. They like to go to their left because they want to shoot with their left. That's fine, but that's not open right now. So you need to take another option. You need to look for another option. So that reflection, that looking back on what you did and why you did it is so important. Mm, so reflecting on phases of play. And one of, one of the things that I always say um, to, to young athletes is that sports is a thinking game. So before the game, you are thinking. During the game, you are thinking. After the game, you are thinking, and you see the two parts that the athletes always make the biggest mistakes is before and after. So before the game, they don't think, and they expect that when they get into the game, they would magically just figure it out. Then after the game as well, is pack your bags, I need to shower, I need to get something to eat, and I need to move on. You know, so that reflection, whether that's before the game, so looking at previous games you have played, whether that's during the game or whether that's after the game, you know, that's just, that's just amazing in terms of how you answer that. Now, the time, I don't know how the time just is, it's like the time is just running, you know, so, and <laughs> there's still, there's still some things I want to ask you, you know, so we're, we're talking about the mental side of the game, linking it from that mistake angle. How important is the mental aspect of sports to these young athletes? It's so important because if you get into a negative spiral mm. of, of mistake, um, and then you're worried about that mistake and you're beating yourself up over that mistake. And then what happens when something comes to do another action comes, you make another mistake. Mm. And then now you're really upset because you made two mistakes in a row. And now you're really focused on your mistakes. And what happens the next time you get an opportunity, 
you make another mistake. Mm. So now you're in this negative, negative, negative spiral. The same thing can happen in a positive way. And I encourage my players to just to blow off mistakes. Think mm. about the next thing. You know, no sweat. Don't yep. worry about the, you made a mistake. No sweat. Go on to the next thing. As coaches, and if, if we highlight mistakes too many times to players, mm. it can get them into that negative spiral. Where yeah. All this is the mistake. But players can do it to themselves. Players themselves can be thinking, uh, oh, I've made that mistake. Now, now what's the coach going to say? Oh, I've let my teammates down. But that's a waste of time. Mm. They need to focus on the next thing. They need to focus on what they can do positively next in order to have a, a positive result next. So that's the, my biggest advice to players is to don't beat yourself up about mistakes. Everybody mm -hmm. makes mistakes. Soccer is a game of mistakes. Focus on doing the next thing and then the next thing and trying to make that a positive thing as best you can. Mm. What, what happens when that mistake is costly? You know, yeah. so we've seen with, I mean, if we use the Tottenham example, you know, when they played, I think they played Liverpool recently, you know, and then the game after that, I think they played Everton in the FA Cup. And it was just mistake after mistake from several different players. How do they deal with it where the mistake is very costly to the team? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, those are the hardest mistakes to deal with when it not only affects you, but it affects your teammates. Mm. And I, I don't think there's any other way around it apart from being able to forgive yourself for that and realize players at the highest level, like one of my players misses a penalty kick to win a game. Hey, players at the highest level, Roberto Baggio missed a PK badly in a World <laughs> Cup. I don't think that thing has landed yet. He missed that thing so high. It happens to players making millions of dollars and with much more experience. And it has a huge impact, not only on yourself, but on the mm. game and on your teammates but you still have to be able to put that aside and move on to the next thing in mm. order to make the next thing positive. Because if you don't, it's just going to be continually negative. Mm. So it's, it's more difficult when it's more meaningful, isn't it? But yes. there's nothing you can do any differently. You just have to realize time for the next thing. Mm. Is that, is that something that these athletes can do beforehand to mm. make sure that the mistakes don't occur? If never, <laughs> no one ever make a mistake. No, <laughs> there, I mean, because mistakes are always going to happen. Yeah. Now, can you have a plan? Can you, you know, focus on what you want to do and how you want to do it? And can you prepare? Can you make sure that you train hard enough in advance? All of those controllables you can control, mm -hmm. but you still can't control the uncontrollables yeah. on the day. Yeah. You know, the windy day, the the good opponent. The, the bad bounce of a ball, those things you can't control. And you just, there's, there's nobody that's technically perfect all the time. Yeah. So you're going to make technical mistakes in preparation. All you can do is your very best to prepare. If you came to the field, having trained hard, having worked hard, having focused, mm. then you have to be happy with whatever result you get and then reflect on what you got and go back and train harder. Mm forgetting the things that are out of your control you know that's that's kind of like what i hear you say you know so you, you can't control everything and micromanage you know and all of that so just as we wrap up tom there is the technical aspect of the game there is the tactical aspect of the game we've talked now about the mental aspect of the game now obviously there's the physical aspect of the game as well so how big you are how strong you are how fit you are to play the game if you were going to assign percentages 
to each of these things in 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 rank of how important they are to footballers how would you rank them that's hard isn't it it's like <laughs> it's like ingredients in a recipe yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you know how much of this or how much of that <laughs> and the best thing in a in a recipe in a player is the balance mm. you know, do they have a balance of those attributes if mm. you have a player that's extremely physically gifted but never worked technically they're only going to go so far. Yeah. But we've all seen players that worked technically, but just had no physical gifts. Yes. Yeah. That would be me. No, I mean, just no physical. Yeah. Just, in terms of soccer, you know, I'm not big, not strong, not fast for the, for the game, but work very hard at the game and love the game. So what's more important? Oh, I don't know. But again, <laughs> what can you control? Yeah. I can't control how fast I am, but I can control how fast I think. I mm. can control how fast I can manipulate the ball. Yeah. So I have to look at my strengths mm. as a player and maybe I have to play to my strengths more because I can't, you know, I can't worry about what somebody else is good at. Yeah. Someone else might have strengths in different areas and they can focus on those. I think we have to focus not just in soccer, but in life on mm. our strengths. Mm. What are we good at and how yeah. can I build on my strengths and mitigate my weaknesses as yeah. much as possible yeah. uh, to make I've, I've coached players that were incredibly smart, incredibly technical, mm -hmm. but not physically gifted, but yeah. they could still play at a very high level because they could make up for those things. Likewise, the player that's very athletic can mm. get away with not being quite as smart or quite as technical yeah. because they're physically gifted. So it's, it's a balance. It's a balance. We're, we're all different. And you take your strengths and try to magnify those. Ah, good answer, good answer. Find find a balance between each of those things, which which actually makes a lot of sense. Before I let you go, Tom, what are the differences you would say between the elite footballers and the average footballers? Oof, elite, so the highest level. Yeah, the highest speed of thought, speed of play. Speed it's of just, thought, speed of play. Hmm. It, it's got to be both because so many times players ask me, you know, what can I do to get to the next level? You know what? I'll have some of my older players say, I want to make the, the academy team. You know, what do I need to do? I say, well, go and watch that game mm. and see the level of speed that that game is played at and the speed of thought within that game. They know what they're going to do before they get the ball. Yeah. They, and not only that, but they can do it fast. Mm. And so it's that speed of play. You know, there are players that are very technical when there's not a lot of pressure on. Yeah, yeah. When the pressure is on, can you be technical under pressure? So when you're talking about the highest level, you're talking about quick thinking, quick uh, acting players that just can play the game with speed. Um, that, I mean, that's when you go and watch the highest level, that's yeah. the biggest thing that I notice. I mean, technical brilliance, but technical brilliance at speed under pressure. Yeah, yeah, you, you you summed it up really nicely in the sense that when there's no pressure, you're the best player in the world. <laughs> when the pressure comes, that's when we really know, really know what you're made of. No, so speed of thought, speed of play. Wow, that's that's an amazing answer. Now, the reason I named the podcast Athlete Maestro Tom was because I wanted to help athletes master their crafts. You know, like I was telling you before we started, you know, young athletes are not people don't pay attention to them as they should. Everybody wants to wait till you are successful. Then they start giving you advice, do this, do that, do. But if you don't learn what you need to learn, 
to get to the point where you are then successful or when you're then elite, then there's a problem. So I wanted to help athletes learn to master their crafts as athletes, whichever sport it is. What in your estimation does it mean to be a master of your craft? To master your technique, whether you're a musician. Master of your craft. Master of your craft. Yeah. So if I'm going to, if my craft, let's say my craft is uh, to play guitar, then mastering that craft, mastering that instrument means spending, well, some people say 10,000 hours, mm. you know, working on the, the individual things that go into being a good guitar player, mm. whether it's, you know, being a scientist, whether it's being a soccer player, a basketball player, a tennis player. You know, it, it involves mastering the technical. It also means putting in the work on the physical. It also, mm. it, so really just being a master of everything that surrounds, you know, what it takes to be good at what you want to be good at and spending the time and mm. making the investment is what it takes. Mm. Making, making that investment. Now, final question, Tom, we've talked about so many things, technical aspect of the game, mental aspect of the game. You know, we talked about, you know, personal training, uh, then the things that you can do in a team setting. We've talked about how parents can help their children develop in sports. We've even looked at, you know, some, some aspects from the coaching angle. If there's a young footballer that is listening to us now and has listened to us over the last one hour and has said everything that we have talked about and he's going to implement, he or she, is going to implement the things that we've talked about, but they need one thing they can start today. You know, so obviously you can't start 10 things at once. You have to start from somewhere. What would that one thing be that they can start that gets them a step closer to their goal? It doesn't have to get them to the goal, but gets them a step closer to the goal. What would that one thing be, Tom? That one thing would be to get the ball out and practice right mm. now. As soon as you decide that that's what you want to do, get the ball out and start spending time. Mm. Make a plan on what you want to work on and how you want to improve. Mm. And then just start with day one and then day two. That's the only way you can do it. Mm. You know, what uh, the journey of a, a thousand miles begins yeah. with a single step. Yeah. So you've got to take that first step. And if that first step is you want to get better, then take responsibility for your own development mm. and get out there and start working today. Wow. This has been amazing, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, I, I have to acknowledge the great work that you do. And I said it at the start in the sense that when you can explain sports, the theory aspect of sports so well that it is, it is like it is visual, then it means that that person really, really understands it. So I have to acknowledge you for everything that you do, the knowledge that you're putting out there, irrespective of who it is that is listening. You know, you're, you're just there giving and trying to improve the athletes, the footballers in the world, you know, so that at least, even if it means that they achieve the goals they set for themselves, then that's fine. I have to acknowledge you for that. Thank you so much for coming on, Tom. Tola, thank you for the time. I really appreciate the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Oh, fantastic. Tell us how we can find you, how we can follow you um, on social media, your website, your podcast. How can we connect with you? Yep, you can find us on uh, coachingsoccerweekly.com. So you can find the podcast there and all the links are there. So if you just know coachingsoccerweekly.com, you can find everything. Uh, fantastic, Tom. So I'm sure uh, that we are going to be doing a lot of that. Thank you for coming on, Tom. Thank you, Tom. You can see that I didn't miss words. You can see that when I said like literally the things that you were going to learn, I didn't even finish the things that were on the list. Now, did you feel like you got value? Did you feel like you learned something? 
from that episode with Tom. Just uh, screenshot your phone and post it on your Instagram stories or your Facebook stories and tag me in that one as well. At Tola Ugunlewe. Tag me in that one. If you enjoyed this, if you found nuggets, and of course, if you had a note beside you, I am absolutely sure that you were taking notes and scribbling away because that's the only way that you're going to remember a lot of the things that Tom talked about. Like, it was so value-packed, so value-packed. And of course, the answers that Tom was giving to the question, practical things. You see, we don't come here on the podcast and ask questions that you're never going to use in your career practically as you go out there and try to be better as you at your sport what we do here is give you those things that you can take them and you can immediately go and practice them and of course there's none better in the world of football than tom Mura to discuss these critical things man i had fun i i had fun and i know tom had fun as well and i'm sure you listening right now you had fun as well if you haven't subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss great episodes like this what are you waiting for and of course if there was ever a time for you to leave a review of the podcast now would be it so that you can tell other athletes that this is a worthwhile resource this is a worthwhile podcast that they can use to up level their game get better at what they do and achieve their goals in sports and of course in the show notes i'm going to put all of tom's details his website coaching soccer weekly so that you can go to that podcast listen to it get so much knowledge from the game you know talking about tactics and techniques and all these things and like i said you know tom is one of the best guys to explain this orally even though you are not on the pitch physically and trust me you are going to get that and of course do not forget to check out football mastery athletemaestro.com forward slash football mastery and of course if you have any questions whatsoever send me a mail tola at athletemaestro.com and of course if you enjoy this episode send me that mail i will forward it to tom so that he knows that he's been doing great work for years and come on when it comes to this side of the pond to our audience to our community of course we appreciate great mentors who know exactly what they're talking about so send that email tola at athletemaestro.com and i'll be sure to forward it to tom i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do want to go out there learn all the lessons you can from this episode with tom mira i want you to go out there and i want you to be a maestro today and every single day